0: Well, hey there, podcast listeners, this is Art Wright, and I am the pastor here at Williamsburg Baptist Church in historic Williamsburg, Virginia. We really are delighted that you're listening to our podcast. This is the fifth week of the Epiphany season as we move um, from the Christmas season to the Lenten season ahead, Um, and we're so glad you're journeying through this season with us. The sermon text for today comes from Matthew chapter seven. We read in worship verses one through 14 and then 24 through 29. Sermon title is, is that a log in your eye? (laughs) This is our third and final week in the Sermon on the Mount and chapter seven is the conclusion of the Sermon on the Mount. Uh, Wonderful, but challenging reading. Really Matthew of all the gospels, focuses on this notion of Jesus as teacher and so throughout history when Christians have wondered what does it look like to follow Jesus and to be a disciple time and time again we turn to the gospel of Matthew and so especially the sermon on the mount and so if you're bored later today or later this week really would encourage you to think you know take some time and read through Matthew chapters 5 through 7 it uh, really is good reading, hard reading, and challenging to try to figure out what it looks like to embody that today. But as as we move through this scripture together and wrestle with that, that's what we'll be thinking about, is what does it mean to live out this scripture in our lives today as we strive to follow Jesus um, as always, would encourage you to check out our website, williamsburgbaptist.com. You can also find us on Instagram and Facebook. There are links to both of our um, those social media pages in the podcast blurb. Um, and if you want to reach out to me, you're welcome to. You can simply email me at pastor at williamsburgbaptist.com. Uh, you can... Send me e- uh, prayer requests or reach out if you just want to chat, get coffee, or find more about uh, out about this church. I should say that the sermon live stream failed on Sunday, so I'm recording this sermon just for you podcast listeners, and so you won't get the benefits of the crowd noise and crowd reaction in the... Um, in this recording, but I do still hope it's helpful for you as you listen to your own life and spiritual journey. We really are glad you're listening. God bless. When I reach back into the recesses of my memories and try to think about the earliest scriptures that stuck with me as a child... This one from Matthew chapter 7 is it. This is the first scripture I ever remember knowing, and not just knowing the words of it, but feeling it in a deep and profound way in my spirit. In King James English, Judge not, lest ye be judged. I don't know why my childhood self attached to that verse in particular, But from a very young age, I seemed to grasp in a profound way that this message could and should be important and even transformative for my life and how I showed up in the world. When I was still in grade school or middle school, uh, this sense crystallized in an even more profound way when my band teacher at the time shared a story with, with us in band class that stuck with me, one that I'll never forget. My hunch is that it was... One of those stories that he probably doesn't remember telling, um, but but for me, it really stuck with me. And here's what he shared. He said one of his friends, who was also a band director, was preparing his band for a concert one uh, one week, and he had this amazing student who loved band, who was first chair flute. She practiced diligently at home every day, and she was always early for rehearsals and concerts. She even had a flute solo in the in the concert coming up. And so when the day of the concert arrived, he was shocked that she didn't show up on time for the rehearsal beforehand. The group warmed up, warmed up their instruments and ran through a couple of the songs together. And all the while, he's looking at his watch, wondering where the heck he is and wondering, what in the world he's going to do about the fact that she has a solo and she's not there for it. And so she comes hustling in right before they're about to walk onto the stage, breathing hard and looking flushed, and he starts yelling at her because she's late and he was nervous, (laughs) rightly so, that she wasn't going to show up. And she starts to cry, and through her tears, she apologizes and says that one of her students was just in a terrible car accident, And the doctors aren't sure if the parent is going to make it. And of course, the band director immediately recognizes his error and apologized to her. And he says, well, why are you even here if they're in the hospital? And she responds, I just I just know that I need to be here. Band is where I know that I feel safe and loved. And if I didn't come here, I think I would just be totally falling apart right now. The band director had made all sorts of assumptions about why she was late. He assumed that she was being disrespectful or unwise with her time or had just forgotten altogether. Instead, she was going through one of the worst days of her life. But in in the end, she was exactly where she needed to be. It was a profound and sobering story for middle school-aged art. (laughs) It stuck with me for decades now. It brings to life for me this famous quote that you've probably heard or seen on social media. Everyone you meet in life is fighting a battle you know nothing about, so be kind, always. It's a good reminder for sure. What would the world be like if we try to move through it, assuming the best of others, that they're giving their best or doing their best. And when they don't meet our high and mighty standards, we give them the benefit of the doubt and don't allow ourselves to get bent out of shape about it. It's not to say that boundaries aren't important or that we ignore mean, spirited, or destructive behavior in others, but it can be an exercise in extreme frustration to try to hold the world to our own individual standards and perfectionistic expectations. Have you ever tried to do that? I mean, I haven't of course, but I hear it can be exhausting. This is our third week with Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. The truth is we could spend a year with these three chapters of Matthew Today's passage alone would warrant several sermons. But let's zoom out. Throughout this most famous of all sermons, Jesus is trying to paint a picture of an alternative community that lives out a different ethos than the rest of the world. He's not just speaking to individuals. He's trying to shape a community that looks like the kingdom of heaven and not the empire of Rome. Two weeks ago, we read the Beatitudes. Blessed are you, poor in spirit. Blessed are you when people persecute you, and so forth. Last week, we talked about our tendency towards anxiety. We skipped an awful lot of good stuff along the way that's well worth reading sometime. But curiously enough, and I think you language nerds will enjoy this. Most of the time in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus is speaking in second person plural, at least in the Greek. And in English, we often lose the second person plural, you all, in translation. And so when when Beth and Lindsay read the scripture in worship, they read, don't judge so that you won't be judged. Most of our Bible translations sound like Jesus is just talking to me or you as an individual. But most of the yous throughout the Sermon on the Mount are plural in Greek. And with all due respect to the Northerners who are listening, here's where us Southerners really do have a huge advantage in terms of language. We have the word y'all. A better translation of the very beginning of today's scripture passage would be something like this. Y'all don't judge so that y'all will not be judged. And believe it or not, for those of you who are language nerds, there's actually a y'all translation of the Bible. You can find it via Google. It very helpfully highlights the y'alls throughout the entire Bible. And if you happen to be from New York or Chicago or somewhere else up north, you can even click a button and it will very helpfully change all the y'alls to use, guys, so it's good and inclusive in that way. The temptation is so often to hear Jesus speaking and thinking that he's just trying to get me or to get you to live in a specific way, but what he's doing is something that's so much more radical. He's trying to shape a community and a world that reflects God's love and compassion, one that curbs our worst tendencies towards judgment and condemnation of others. He's trying to build a community that lives by the golden rule that is also in today's scripture reading. Therefore, treat people the same way you want them to treat you. This is the law and the prophets. And he'll say something very similar later in the Gospel of Matthew. Love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus lived in a culture and in a world shaped by powerful forces of honor and shame. It was a judgmental world that he inhabited. A lot of days, I honestly don't think that much has changed. Especially these days, social media seems to have drawn out the worst of our judgmental tendencies, but plenty of it happens in real life, too. I'll tell you one humorous, at least now in retrospect humorous, uh, personal story from our own experience. One time, my wife Beth was carrying one of our kids from the car into a store when, uh, when he was still a baby. And it just happened that he didn't have a hat on and it was freezing cold outside. And this lady walks by and takes one look and says in this rather passive-aggressive baby voice, Mommy, my hat is cold. And she just keeps walking. And Beth was like, well, thank you, not. Of course, Beth had tried to put put a hat on the kid's head, and he'd just cried and thrown it off like most kids do uh, when they're, what, one-year-old. And so, yeah, his head was cold, but he was going to survive. If she wanted him to have a hat on his head, she probably would have had to duct tape it at that point for him to keep it on. (laughs) Parenthood is such a great time for judgment about how to raise kids. We live in a judgmental world, don't we? I'm wondering, what are some of the things that you judge people for? And what have you felt judged by other people for? Of course, it does happen that Jesus judges and condemns some people in the Gospels. But lo and behold, they're almost exclusively the religious people who think they've got it all figured out. And that everyone else has fallen short in God's eyes. The religious elite in the first century are hypocrites, and Jesus will criticize them time and time again. They seem to be the ones who are doing most of the judging to begin with. It should serve as a warning to us religious folks today, but again, it feels like not much has changed. I can't help but think that Christians seem to be some of the most judgy people out there, right? Believe it or not, when asked about why they don't attend church, one of the main reasons many non-church goers give is hypocrisy. They see religious leaders who try to hold people to certain standards, who judge them when they don't live up to those standards, and then these same leaders often fail to live up to their own standards themselves, or do even worse things. It's one of the number one reasons people give for not going to church. And so, in response to this type of hypocritical behavior, Jesus offers a rather interesting and humorous but also painful image. He says, why do you see the splinter that's in your your sibling's eye but don't notice the log in your own eye? It's often easier for us to see the faults or to perceive faults in others than to notice our own. That's just the way we humans seem to be wired. But the solution Jesus offers is helpful. Focus on tidying your own house. Focus on getting your own self in order. Focus on what you actually can control and where you can actually affect change rather than worrying about what everyone else is doing. Jesus seems to recognize the truth that I'm only, the only person I can ever fully control in this life. And trying to judge or change or control other people is only ever going to be an exercise in frustration and futility in marriages and in friendships and relationships of all sorts in our communities. As I try to wind this sermon down, one final thought comes to mind. I listen to a nerdy Bible podcast each week that focuses on the narrative lectionary uh, scripture reading for the week ahead, and one of the contributors um, is a Jewish rabbi, and this past week she shared a popular song in her Jewish community called Olam Chesed Yibaneh, and the gist of the song in English is something like this, If you build the world from love, then others will build the world from love too. I'll say that again. If you build the world from love, then others will build the world from love too. The sense is that the energy we put out into the world through our lives and the way that we shape and impact the world around us, even if only immediately around us, has a very real impact on how others live in the world too. It's not karma per se, Rather, it's this notion that we help create the world we want to live in. And as we reflect on today's text about not judging others, it begs me to come back to the question, what sort of energy are we putting out into the world? Negativity and judgment and condemnation? Or are we putting out positivity and love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and generosity and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control, what Paul would eventually call fruits of the Spirit? You are creating the world around you, and I really do believe that what you do and what I do has an impact on the larger world, even if it's hard to see the ways in which our lives ripple outward sometimes. And here at Williamsburg Baptist Church, we're trying to build a beloved community. That's what our mission statement says. We are trying to be an alternative community where we love and bless and value each person who walks in the door just as they are. And so we aren't going to judge one another. Judgment is so destructive. We want each and every one of us to feel like we can be our authentic selves, our true selves. And in order to do so, we must continue creating a safe, non-judgmental space here and throughout our lives. And it can be hard, for sure, but it's foundational for who we are becoming. And I'm biased, but I think y'all are doing an awfully good job. Overwhelmingly, when I talk to new folks, I hear time and time again that people do really feel welcome and accepted when they walk in the door here. So, so folks, keep up the good work. Let's keep building this community, this beloved community, this kingdom-shaped community, this community marked by divine love together. Amen. Amen.